0: God is good, isn't He? Right on, forever, forever. Well, I'm thankful that He brought us together on such a nice snowy day that, that we can gather and worship Him together. It's good, isn't it? How many of you are here on Wednesday night? All right, good portion. Wednesday night we read from uh, the book of First Peter and we read about some things that, that uh are ours to have. You know, they're, they're, we can walk in these things. And we read um, very clearly. Oh, you see that? My buddy John did that for me. <laughs> John Devaney from Spokane, Washington. Whipped that up. He's a graphic design genius. I asked him, could you do something for me? Uh, because uh, one thing we did uh, touch on on Wednesday night was was being able to love from a sincere heart. Yeah. Over the next three weeks, I want to deal from the word not from opinion not from my point of view or my thoughts but I'd like to deal from the word from the 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 feeling that some of us get every now and then especially those of you that have been born again for a while that you are playing a role and you're just playing out a performance if you've ever felt like that and you've gone to church and you just felt like I know I need to act this way but I sure don't feel this way or I, I feel like I used to be excited about this now I just feel like I'm playing out a role if that's you we're doing an emergency rescue operation. We're doing emergency surgery. You do not have to stay that way. If this is you right there, if that's how you feel when you walk into the church, I need, I need to, you to know that that does not have to be permanent. In fact, it shouldn't be permanent. Because if it does, something happens to your heart. There's a hardness, there's a coldness that comes when you continually compartmentalize and say, this is my church self, this is my every other day self. So for the next three weeks, today we're going to talk about how we relate to each other um, sincerely, without hypocrisy, without that fakeness, without that feeling like I'm performing. Next week we're going to talk about how, what in the world am I supposed to say when I'm going through something. We're going to talk about the difference between faith and fake. I mean, how do I, how do I say the right thing? Because we've been taught that the scripture tells us that what you say is important. But maybe some of you have gotten that been a little bit twisted on it, and thought that that meant you just have to go through life feeling like you're lying. You don't. Because real faith acknowledges there may be a mountain, but it acknowledges that there's, God, there's a God that's bigger than that. Real faith acknowledges there are giants in the land, but if God is with us, those giants can be put down. Real faith does not say they don't exist. It says they're not as big as my God. And then that... Then, uh, third Sunday from now, we'll, we'll talk about something that I think is, is important for all of us to, to realize and remember, which is how do I relate to God? How do I pray? How do I pray without feeling like I'm having to just say certain things and go through certain things? I want you to know that the same thing I said earlier, there is a danger of, of your heart being compartmentalized, of, of being like a waffle where it's separated. When you go to God and you don't feel you can lay it out in front of Him. The scripture is full of examples of some of people that go to God and say, Search my heart. Here's what I'm going through. They end, I mean, if you read a lot of the Psalms, they start with where He is and they end with the faithfulness of God. And I believe that if you're honest with God, He will bring you to that place where, as David said, My head is exalted above my enemies. I'm able to see, finally able to see, above the problem and see where God, see what God sees, see what, what He wants me to see. So those are the next three weeks we're going to talk about this, because I do believe it's something that, and I'm, you know me, I don't usually start with the topic. I, I'm usually starting with a passage, and we let the topics come and fall where they may. But I do believe this is an issue in the church, not just this, but in, in everybody, where you're trying to find that balance. How in the world do I, I know I'm supposed to be this way, but I don't feel this way. I want you to know that it all begins with who you are. It all begins with what He says about you. You have to start from the place of saying, this is who I am. Ephesians 5 begins to talk about that. We're not going to read it today. But Ephesians 5 talks about the fact that you are light. He calls you a saint. A saint. And he says this corrupt speech, he talks about your former manner of life. Do you notice that it's former? It's not your present life. It's your former life, and it needs to stay in the former. It does not need to come this way. He says, lay aside your, your stuff you used to do in your former life. Leave it back there. Don't go back and pick it up. Don't go back and do that stuff again. Leave it where it belongs. He says this. He, sa- he starts to talk about some of that speech that's coming out, some of the corrupt speech, some of the things that you used to say and that used to be filled with. And he says, such things are not fitting among saints. Another place he says they're not proper among saints. In other words, here's what he's saying. They don't fit you anymore. That's not who you are anymore. If you want to be authentic, if you want to be real, and there's a pressure on you to be real, right? And I've had, I, I've had acquaintances in the ministry that felt like being authentic means that they had to use some, some rougher language when they talked. They had to be a little, bit, uh, a little bit more perverse. But that's not what the Bible says at all. Because that's not who you are. That'd be authentic if you were that, if you were still that, that sinful person, then that would be authentic speech. But you're not that person anymore. Jesus has made you a new creation. So who you are has changed. So authentic for me, I have to start, if I'm going to say I want to be authentic, I want to be real, I have to start with who am I? Because you can, uh, you can try to be an authentic Edmonton oiler, but I'm not buying it. Some of you could pull it off. Right? Some of you are past the day of pulling that off. And I'm not saying who it is. Judge yourself, not me. Right? You can, you can buy the authentic gear. You can dress up. You can put the helmet on. But unless you really are, it's not authentic. So as a believer, you first have to know who you are in Christ. Because when you know who you are in Christ, then you'll know what it means to authentically be a follower of Christ, a person that Christ lives in, a person that's indwelt by the Spirit of God. Let's look in, uh, back where we started last Wednesday night in the book of 1 Peter. Thank God. You know, the hardest part about this is where in the world do we start? It's all so good. All right. Thank you, Jesus. All right, in verse 13 of chapter 1. We want you, I want you, I believe God wants you to be set free from feeling like life has become a big performance. What's the solution then? What, I mean, if you come and you feel like you've got to put a smile on for everybody, but you don't feel like smiling, you gotta, you got to act like you love everybody, but you don't feel like loving. What's the solution? Because you've got options, don't you? All right, your first option is stay the course, keep pretending. But that's not good for you. In the long run, that will kill you. Okay, second option. Stop faking and just be your miserable self. <laughs> just be miserable around people. Don't pretend you like them. Walk away from them. Is that a good option either? No. There's got to be a third option, right? Because neither of those options sound appealing to me. What's the third option? Let your heart be changed, right, Anita? Let, let God do something in you. Let that, let that fruit of the Spirit come out so that it's not fake love, it's real love. If you've been faking it, quit faking it. But the answer is not just to go back and say, well, okay, fine. <laughs> I'm not gonna act like I love anybody you're all gonna know what I really think about you maybe what needs to change is not how you tell them how you feel but really how you feel did you know that he says in the next in the next letter that Peter writes wrote writes wrote that in the next Peter letter that Peter writes to the church he says very clearly by the Spirit of God that he has granted you all things pertaining to life and godliness everything you need for life Everything you need to be godly, he has granted it to you. So it's not far from you. It's not unreachable. It's not unattainable. So your options, keep going, keep keep faking it. That's not a good option. Your second option, quit faking it just be a jerk. Not an option either. The only real option is to begin and rediscover how to live from the well that Jesus put inside of you. He said, those who drink of me out of their innermost will flow rivers of living water. Last night, I talked to a group of youth and young adults and talked about this very same thing, about how we walk through life responding to different people, responding and reacting to their emotions instead of, of responding and reacting to the love of Jesus. The Bible says we love because He first loved us. It doesn't say we love because everybody else loves us. It doesn't say we love because we feel loved by other people. It says we love, continually love, because He loved us. The Bible says that the the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's been poured out, and it wasn't budgeted. It's not been rationed. You're not getting a love package in the mail that you have to open up and say, I hope this lasts me for a whole month you are connected to God you've been reconciled to God through Christ Jesus so you've got all the love all the joy all the peace everything you need is through him by that spirit he put inside of you and if you walk by that spirit if you live out of that spirit you'll have all that you need And we'll talk about that in a minute but let's look at this in verse 13 therefore prepare your minds for action keep sober in spirit sober doesn't mean you have to go through life being the most serious person in the room I mean, Jesus had joy. The Bible says he was anointed with the oil of gladness above everybody else. He, was the, he had more gladness than anyone else. So it doesn't mean you have to be the boring guy in the room that's always like, Good. everybody's laughing, let's keep sober. You know, Somebody tells a joke and you're like, huh, chapter and verse for that joke, Josh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. If the joke is clean, if, it, if it's not contrary to what you believe laugh with it you know the bible says laugh with those who laugh there's a time to laugh but sober in spirit doesn't mean you have to be you know boring and serious all the time but it does mean that you need to be alert that we need to realize you're here on this planet for a purpose you're not here just to float around and see where life takes you you've got a purpose wake up this is what it's saying wake up have your eyes open he says fix your hope completely completely means that's that's the only place it's fixed on right that's all of your hope is fixed on this on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ verse 14 says this as obedient children what did he just call you obedient children that means you're already part of the family you're not working to get in you are part of the family now as his child with his DNA with his nature do not be conformed to the former lust. That's your old life, which were yours in ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves all also in all your behavior. And he wouldn't tell you to do this if it was just a new act or a performance or something you had to work up. You've been adopted now. And you know when we adopt somebody in this you know on, on this planet, in this society, when we adopt somebody, they they may be part of your family, but they don't share your genetics, right? That kid may fit into your family, might, might fit into the culture of your family and eventually learn, this is what we do at supper time, this is the way we act. But that kid still has the DNA and the genetics of his parents. But when you were born again, the Bible says you were not just born again, just, it says you were adopted, it says we received the spirit of adoption, but this adoption was different. This was an adoption. This was a radical adoption where you actually were reborn. We can't do that in this day and age, nor should we. That'd be the weirdest adoption ever. You had to actually go through the birthing process again, get new DNA. It doesn't work. But as a believer, you were recreated. And the Bible says you were recreated in righteousness and holiness of the truth. You got recreated. You got redesigned. You have His nature now. Here's what happened. When the Bible says that two things happened to you, you were number one, your old self was crucified with Christ. Then it says you were raised up with Him. Those two things are important because when you were crucified with Christ, your old self got nailed to the cross. Boom, boom, boom. Your former lust, your former passions, the things that used to hold you captive, that you say, I want to quit, but I just can't. That got nailed to the cross with Jesus. But Jesus didn't just leave you as a person without an identity. When you were raised with Christ, see, when you were crucified with Christ, the old self got stuck on that cross. But when you were raised with Christ, you were raised with His nature. You got His DNA. So He says, You're not, I'm not telling you to do this as somebody that just needs to try to imitate me but is nothing like me. I'm telling you to do this as somebody who's got my nature in you. Be like me. And you can be because he gave you everything you needed. And it says this, if you address as father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself in fear during the time of your stay on the earth. This is not fear like you're scared. This is a godly fear, which means a reverence. Like, like okay, let me give you an example. If I fear chance, and I'm not talking about being scared of chance like, like every time I come near him like a wounded puppy that he's going to hit. because Chance is a gentle giant. But if I feared him the way that we're talking about here, every time I would make a decision, I'd phone Chance to see what his opinion was, because his opinion would be the one I cared about. If I feared Chance, I'd look at him when I was doing something, like, am I doing this right? If I feared Chance, I wouldn't care what any of you said, as long as Chance approved of me. But I don't fear Chance. I fear God. So because I fear God, I don't fear anybody else. Because I fear him, and I don't fear him like I'm afraid he was going to hit me. You fear him. This is different. This is a, not a fear that drives you away. This is a fear that draws you near. The biblical idea of a fear of God is a reverence and an awe and a, and a, and a respect that says your opinion is the only one that counts. It's the only one I'm thinking about when I do things. I care what you think about me. I, I, what other people think about me doesn't really matter. I care what you think about me. You have to know that when you walk into the church. What everyone else thinks about you is not what counts. What he thinks about you is the only thing that counts. So if you feel like you're putting on an act for everyone else, you're performing for the wrong people. God doesn't want your performance. He wants your heart. When he has your heart, you know what? Your actions will follow. They always will. You can't say he has my heart and do something different. You can't. Bible says in 1 John, no one can say he loves God and then do this. It does not make sense. If you say he has my heart, he has your actions too. But he wants your heart first. Where your heart is, everything else follows. It's not the other way around. So here, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. Verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, Inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood. You were bought with his blood. As of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. But he has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. Who through him are believers in God. Who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. So that your faith and your hope are in God. Now listen to this. Verse 22. This is what we're getting at. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart. Now, I want to focus on that verse for a little bit. If you feel like you've been having to act like you love people, that love won't do them any good. They go home and, may, and, and they may for a little while say, I think they like me. They always act like they do. But you know, humans are more perceptive than you think. Eventually, they catch on that you really don't like them like you say you like them. We we know. We've got a little detector in us that says, no, no, it's not real. It's the same detector that goes off when we watch commercials. This commercial said Tide's the best, but but this commercial says Cheer is the best. How could they both be right? Well, the answer is... None of them are right. You, you will understand when you watch a commercial, you see a billboard. I don't believe all of that. You know that they're just using you. And what you don't want is to go through life pretending to people because eventually they're going to feel like you're just using them. That love is not the love that God gave us. The love that God gave us is so real and so sincere that it would cause you to lay your life down for people. That love is so real that it caused Jesus to go to the cross for you. God didn't just write you a bunch of love letters and say, I feel warm fuzzies for you, I think about you all the time, your picture's on my fridge, and then just leave it at that. You'd still die if that was the love you had. Oh, he likes me. He loves me. Oh, how he loves me. But he never did anything to save me. Wouldn't that be pathetic? A sad song. Good thing we don't sing it that way. Because His love did something. His love was demonstrated to us. And the love that you have for people cannot just be a fake thing you're putting on. And I'm telling you, not as somebody who's judging you, but somebody who loves you, you will, you can, you must be free from the feeling of performing. You've got to break free from acting all your life. And realize that if that's you and you feel stuck, And being that person to everybody else that everybody thinks you should be, you need to stop looking at them and start looking at the one who judges, the one who really matters, and conduct yourself in fear. Not a fear of them, but a fear of God. In other words, my life is lived toward and in front of the only one who can see all my motives. The only one who can see every thought, and you're not fooling anyone. And I don't say that to you to to say, you know, you're not fooling anyone. You're in trouble now. I want you to be free from it. Because that kind of bondage will take that life that you first felt when you came into a, a body of Christ. And you came into a group of people that loved Jesus and you felt so free and so loved. And when expectations of you changed, slowly, if you didn't guard your heart, You stop feeling that life anymore and you start feeling it as a duty, as as something I do because I have to do it. And these people have to act this way because that's just what I'm supposed to do. After a while, there's no life left in it. There's no power to really do what you're called to do because all you're doing is playing out a part. You can be free from that. It starts with obedience to the truth. Where do we find that truth? We find it in the Word of God, don't we? We've been obedient to the truth, which means you apply that word in your life. You want the fruit of the Spirit? You do, right? Well, we're going to talk about that in a minute, but you know the fruit of the Spirit starts with a seed. Jesus said the Word is the seed. sown into your heart and bears fruit, right? So there are other things to that fruit, but you know, first of all, we've got to get the truth. And it says, in obedience to the truth, you've purified your souls. Your soul is that mind, your will, your emotions, that that part of you needs to be purified in obedience to the truth. The Bible says your mind is renewed by the Word of God. It's washed by the Word of God. So here, we let the Word of God change how we think. We let it change how we react. Then it says this, you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the breath. If you were to have a conversation with Spiro and Tina, they might tell you that this word sincere, if you look at it, it, it is the opposite of hypocrite. If you, in fact, the, the word that it's the opposite of is the word we get hypocrite from. If you were to look at this work, word in the Greek, it's, it's, it's just exactly what it looks like. You'd see hypocrite right in it. This is a sincere love. It's the opposite of somebody, and that, that word hypocrite was used in that time, in that time, in that, that part of, of the world, in that in that language of Greek, that word was used for somebody who was on stage acting. So this is the opposite of acting. It's sincere. It's real. It's not a performance. A sincere love of the brethren. You can't work that love up. You can't make it happen. You have got to let God put that love in you. That love is real. That love overcomes and love never fails. Now look at this. It says, you have purified your souls for sincere love of the brethren, now fervently, fervently. Doesn't that sound like more than just going through the motions? Fervently, to me, speaks of passion. It speaks of life. It speaks of fire. Fervently love one another. From where? From the heart. Not from your mind. Not from your emotions. But from the heart fervently love one another and the Bible says in the same the same group of letters he says keep fervent you hear that keep fervent in your love for one another for love covers a multitude of sins praise God the word for sin means that there's a mark that's missed when you sinned against God you missed his mark you came short of the glory of God right Thank God for Jesus, who paid your price so that that sin would not just be covered, but taken away. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Now, if sin is a missed mark, sin, when we typically talk about it, is a mark that we've missed with God. Couldn't we also say that we set marks for people that they can miss? We have expectations of people, don't we? Now, when people let you down, here's some options. We gave you options before. I'll give you some more options. When somebody lets you down, you had a high expectation of them. You've got a choice. Either you're crushed by them and you never trust them again, or you lower your expectations. But you know that's not good either. For you to say, I've got no expectations. Josh, I have no expectations of you. Really low expectations. So don't worry. You you don't have to work so hard. My expectations for you are just so low, you'll never let me down. You know, that conversation's not going well. Josh isn't like, thank God, I feel so free. <laughs> he already thinks I'm a loser. I can't fail. <laughs> well, sure, you won't be as disappointed, but boy, you've just you've just put a glass ceiling over where Josh is going to hit, and and really you've you've set him up to fail. What if I have high expectations and Josh didn't quite meet that high expectation? It's not real life. It's hypothetical. what What if he didn't quite meet that? What do I do? Do I get mad at him and disappointed and just angry at him? Or do I do this? If this is a mark that he missed, but I'm fervent in my love towards Josh, that love will make up the difference. That love covers a multitude of missed marks, missed expectations. Where when people let you down, God help us, you can give them the ball after they fumbled five times. Stick it in the bread basket and say, run again. You say, and somebody might say to you, it's stupid to trust that person again. It is stupid. Have you not learned your lesson? But then when you have that thought, You remember how many times Jesus trusted you again. How many times he gave you the ball when you didn't deserve the ball. How many times he said run when Mm -hmm. you'd fallen and tripped up so many times. Remember this. And you know what love also does? Love doesn't just leave it as a missed mark. Love covers it. In other words, love makes up that difference. Love goes back and picks somebody up and says, I'm going to help you reach that mark. Love says, I'm going I'm to fill in the gaps. The Apostle Paul said that at, at one point. He said, I'm, I'm making up for what's lacking here. I'm making up for what's lacking. Fervently love one another from the heart. See, this is the answer. When you feel like you're faking it the whole time, the answer is not just to be real and just stop acting like you love anybody. The answer is to purify your soul in obedience to the truth, and find where real love comes from. Quit acting like you have love and let God put that love in you so you can love from that spring of life so that you can live out of the wellspring of life that's always new and always flowing. You see, if you're plugged into the vine, he's the vine, I'm the branch, I am not getting shipments of love I'm not getting shipments of life. I am connected to life. And there is never a ceasing to the flow. If you were to look at a plant and you were to look at a vine and look at the branch, there are not just spurts of life. They are constantly connected. It's the difference between you diving as deep as you can in the ocean, just holding your breath, and then you have to swim back up and get another breath and swim back down. That's, that's what it'd be like if you just live... Saying, "All right, when I'm at my lowest, I go to God." Instead, have you ever noticed how a scuba diver can stay down there for hours because they've got a source connected, and it's not—it's not. It's not you know, intermittent, it doesn't stop and start. It's continual air, oxygen flowing to them. That's what your life is like, except it's not contained in a tank. It's limitless. God is love. There's no limit to that love. There's no limit to that life. So you need to say, I am not just going to pretend I love. I am going to genuinely love. Now let's look in First Timothy chapter 1. I want you to remember that word sincere. It's the opposite of hypocrite. It's the opposite of acting. If you're tired of acting, there is a sincere love that God has poured out in your heart. 1 Timothy 1 says in verse 3, As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men, notice it's certain men, not to teach strange doctrine." We, this is the same thing, 2012, instruct certain people not to teach strange doctrines that they got on YouTube, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation. You know what this is like? You know that guy that's got that pet, pet doctrine? Once again, often on YouTube. That pet doctrine, that they, that's the favorite thing they like to talk about, and there's no real scriptural basis for it. There's just a lot of speculation. You know what? It doesn't do any good. He says, quit it, which give rise to mere speculation, rather than the furthering, of, furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. Verse 5, but the goal, the goal, the target of our instruction is love from a pure heart. Listen to that. Remember, the, it, Peter said the obedience to the truth purifies our souls. He says here, love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Sincere means what? It's the opposite of acting. It's the opposite of a hypocrite. Sincere faith is genuine. It is, though refined by fire, though tested by fire, it stands the test. And real love will pass the test. Real love will survive people being jerks. It will survive Cat, you know catastrophic events it'll it'll survive big fights it'll survive all of those things real love will stay Petra. but the goal of our instruction is love now you notice that instruction has something to do with this it's not just some touchy-feely thing that you know hi I, I spent some time in the forest and all of a sudden I love everybody there was there was some instruction involved In other words, you had to hear something and believe it. When you believed it, faith came. And faith is that hook that grabs on to the things that God has for you. When you believe Him and say, All right, I'm going to trust you that you've got the love I need. You've got the joy I need. You've got peace that I need. Hey, I, I don't know how to love this person. They are a genuine, certified, stamp on the forehead jerk. And all I can do is trust you that somehow if you loved me, you could, I can love them. And you let him pour that love in you. But that instruction plays a part in it because you had to read in the Word who you were. Because unless I know that by the blood of Jesus I've been adopted... I've been part of His family. You can't tell me to love like Jesus loved because I'm not Jesus, I would say, right? Until you read that He has made you in His likeness. He gave you His Spirit. No, you're not Jesus, but His Spirit lives in you. His love was given to you. His Word was implanted in you. You were reformed. You're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so now I can love like Jesus because His love lives in me. I can love like Jesus. The scripture says it more than once. Love one another as Christ has loved you. Couldn't you just say love one another? And then we could interpret what that means. If he just said love one another, I could say what that means to me is I give you chocolates at Christmas and that's it. But he goes on and has to ruin it for us and say love one another as Christ has loved you. Oh boy, that's a big order to fill. But he just didn't stop there either and gave himself up for us Oy. so not only because i could also say well i think what jesus did you know this is what people do they they make up an idea of what jesus was like what? didn't jesus just like love everybody what is his message just basically tolerance no not really They go around and they try to recreate Jesus. Well, okay, here's what he means by love like Jesus loves. He goes ahead and defines it for you so you're not confused. He gave himself up for us. That's the love of God. If that love isn't causing you to give yourself up for people, to lay your life down, it's not the same love. If that love has expectations, strings attached, I love you, and if you continue to love me, you'll still get love from me. It's not the love of God. The love of Jesus loved you while you were yet sinners. The love of Jesus loved you before you ever did anything right. The love of Jesus is not contingent on what you do, but on what he did. So the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart. If you feel like you're faking it, wouldn't you love to get back to the place where your heart felt pure again? You just felt like, like this was natural. Like I'm not putting a mask on. See, God has never asked you to put on a mask. Now, I don't know where we get this idea. But we have it in our head that that's what it takes to fit in to the body of Christ. I need to look and put the mask on that everybody else has. But if it's a mask, it doesn't look real, it doesn't work. When you take that mask off, what's underneath it? Because that's what God's really looking at. You're not fooling anybody. I want you to feel free from it. I want you to feel free from the obligation to be somebody you're not. You need to be who God made you to be. Our expectation of you is exactly what Jesus expects of you. Now, like I said, that doesn't mean you take the mask off and you just say, fine. I am forever going to scowl at you. I am forever going to just be mean. If you're at that place where you genuinely don't feel that love, it's okay to say, I I want that love. I'm not feeling it, but I want it. It's okay to grab somebody and say, listen, I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray with me. And you you don't have to fake it. You just say, you know what? I'm struggling with this. But I know that when two join together, We agree together in his name. We have what we ask for. And I I need you to encourage me because I know you've got something I need. It's okay to say that. In Galatians chapter 5, we find the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, I'll read it to you real quick. You know, all the things that we feel like we have to fake are actually found here, but they're real. You know what I mean? All the things you feel like you had to fake like you have, they're actually here. There's a big old list of them. It says in verse 16, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. The solution to overcoming the flesh is walking by the Spirit. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident. You know what the flesh is? That's what you just feel like doing. That's not what's coming from what God gave you, what God created you to be. This is you relying on that old nature where you just go, I felt like hitting him, so I did. Do you think that came from God? Oh, I just, I stubbed my toe and I felt like swearing up a storm. You think God put those words in your heart? No, this is the flesh. It needs to die. It needs to be put in the ground. You need to leave it behind. But he says, here, you'll know. He's telling you. Because somebody says, well, how do I know if I'm walking by the spirit or walking by the flesh? He goes, it's easy. If you're walking by the flesh, here's what comes out. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Does that sound familiar? disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. So that's not even the whole list. Which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, those that practice such things, and practice means you are not just doing it once or twice, you didn't just fall into it, this is your lifestyle. Those that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, thank God there is a but, but the fruit of the Spirit, it is the fruit of the Spirit. Does an orange tree have to try really hard to produce oranges? Does an apple tree have to say, I produced oranges last year, but I'm really sorry. I know when I'm an apple tree, I'll try harder next time to produce apples. Does that happen? It just naturally comes out. You don't have to try real hard to produce all this stuff. If you live by the Spirit, they'll come out. fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Because some of you think me not having to act means I can do whatever I feel like doing. Fruit of the Spirit means you know how to stop yourself. You know how to control yourself. You're not an animal. You're not a dog. You can control yourself. It says this. Against such things there is no law. Those those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, do you live by the Spirit? Yes. Then if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. There's living by the Spirit. You were made alive in Christ. Now let your life match what's inside. Walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another or envying one another. And I want to go back to those fruits of the Spirit. Think about it. When you're faking being a good Christian, when you feel like you're having to perform for everybody, what, aren't these the things you're trying to pretend that you have? You're trying to pretend that you love people. You're trying to pretend that you have joy. You're trying to be happy when you don't feel it. Or are you are trying to act like you have peace when really you're freaking out? You're trying to pretend that you're patient when really you really want to slug somebody. Trying to pretend that you're kind. Trying to pretend that you're good. Trying to pretend that you're faithful when you know you're going to let them down. Trying to pretend that you're gentle. Trying to pretend that you're self-controlled. But I'm going to tell you, you don't have to pretend. These things are yours. They're yours. You've inherited these things. They can be part of your everyday life when you walk by the Spirit. When you're led by the Spirit. Nobody really has wax fruit sitting on their tables anymore, do they? Do they? Some of them still do? Maybe it's nicer than the old wax fruit. I don't mean to sound, uh, I've got in trouble. What? Plastic, alright, so it's not wax anymore, it's plastic. I'm sure they made them look nicer. I remember my grandma used to have wax fruit. Was it plastic fruit? Was it wax or plastic? I know what it tastes like because I did taste it. I was that kid. I was the kid who went ahead and tasted it. it, it if this was not going to make it any better, but I, I knew it was fake when I tasted before I tasted it. So don't don't ask me why I tasted it. I was curious that way. I was the kid that licked the pole in the wintertime just to see. So pray for Moses. <laughs> So anyways, I'm a miracle. Look at me standing here. (laughs) My grandma had this wax fruit in her dining room. It was a dining room that we rarely ever used. I think it was reserved for if the president ever came. This is what we used. We ate in the kitchen. But there was this wax fruit sitting on there. And every year it looked a little worse. You've got to understand the depth of mildew that comes in East Texas, there's just a, bleh. it's just, it's with you all the time, you know, and it smells like it, and you know, thank God my grandma kept her house real clean, but it, you can't help it, you know, it's just the, the atmosphere, and I remember looking at this, boy, I, I did taste it, and it did not taste real, nothing good about it, didn't even look real, which should have stopped me from tasting it, but it didn't, and when I had a little bite of that wax fruit, I mean, I didn't bite right into it, I just kind of. Licked it. I'm not making this any better, am I? <laughs> when I ha- partook of this fruit, there was nothing good that came out of it. And you know, you may think that, per- that putting on the performance, putting on the act, is, is, everybody just thinks things are good. But in reality, it's just like that wax fruit. It's not real. It's wax. It doesn't look real. And you know what? It doesn't give the life that real fruit would give you. You were stranded on a desert island, and they gave you a bowl of wax fruit. That would fill your stomach for a little bit, but it would not give you the nutrients you need. There's life in the fruit. God gave us that fruit. God gave it to us for for our good. There, There are things in there that help us to live. But the difference is wax fruit doesn't have any of that life. It just looks sort of like it. And When you come and you feel like you have to perform for everybody, it doesn't really come across as real. And here's the big thing. It doesn't give life. God doesn't need your performance. God's not looking for you to act. He wants you to be who He made you to be. To live in the life of God. To flow in the love of God. To, to, to really walk as children of God. He's not looking for you to put on a good show. He wants real fruit to come out of your life. And that fruit comes when you're living from the spirit you're being led by the spirit you're letting him call the shots you're you're making decisions based on What's in here, what's in that spirit, not just what's up here, not just what you feel like doing, but rather what God has put in, put in you through his word. He's planted seeds in you that are growing. He says, if you want to bear fruit, what do you do? You abide in me. You abide in my love. You abide in my word. You keep my commandments. These things happen and you bear fruit. And that means you don't have to push it out. That means you don't have to replicate it. It naturally flows out of you. And you won't know where it came from. But I have love for you that I don't understand. I have joy when I shouldn't be happy. I have peace when the world around me is chaos. I feel gentle when I used to be an angry person. I'm self-controlled when I used to be all over the place. This is the life of God. That this would flow out of you that you wouldn't have to make it happen, but it'd be natural, part of your life. Fruit is very natural. It's a natural thing. It does not need to be forced. It just needs to come out. And the fruit of the Spirit, it's all that stuff we try to fake, can be yours for real. Quit faking it. If that little fella there had those hairpins moved, those clothespins, don't you imagine those clothespins hurt? Imagine they hurt. If you were to take them off, do you think he'd stay smiling? No, I think he'd grimace. That hurts. If you feel this is you, I want you to know you can be free. Free to live in the power and life of God. Where you're no longer performing for everyone else. You're living your life, as it says about Jesus, He lived a life to God. To God. Not just for God, but to Him. I said this before. Imagine your life as a song that you're singing to Him. Imagine your life as, 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 as a story you're writing for Him. Imagine your life as directly for Him and Him alone. you take that away, imagine what really God wants to do is give you a real smile, is give you a real love, is give you real joy, is give you real self-control where you're not just keeping it together in front of other people, but when you're alone and no one's around, your life is the same as when everyone else sees it. Would you like to live that life? Many of you are. Many of you are great examples of that. Don't let yourself get cold. Don't let yourself get too practiced at it that you know the routine of how to act like a Christian, but there's no life in it anymore. This is something we all can do because your brain is wired this way. When you do something enough times, when you repeat an action enough times, it becomes habit and you no longer have to think about it. When I play the guitar, I've played for enough years that I really don't have to think about it that much anymore. Used to have to stare at that thing and focus all my attention. I could I really could not talk and play at the same time. That would never happen. But now there's muscle memory there. My fingers know where to go. They've discovered that there are some there are people who are so brain damaged they they don't even remember how to walk. They, they've had a trauma to the brain, but they can still play an instrument. There are things that you do over and over again, and you learn a routine. Your brain's wired that way. But it's dangerous for you to let your life with Christ, your walk in Christ, become one of those routine things that you learned how to do. I used to come and smile at people because I loved them. Now I smile at them because it's what expect, what's expected. Don't let that be you don't let your heart be hardened today if you hear his voice don't harden your heart the scripture says don't let your heart don't let your heart be cold towards other people let it stay fresh let it stay soft and renewed and if you need that renewal inside of you where you say, okay, I want to feel again. I want that life again like I, like I had before. Where it wasn't unnatural. It was just flowing out of me. There was joy coming out of me. There was love. I wanted to tell the world about Jesus. I couldn't wait to tell people. I couldn't wait to show them. You can have that back. That's the Spirit. Because when Jesus said, If you believe in me, if you drink of me, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The scripture after it says, he said this, to tell them about the spirit which would be given to them. So you're living out of the Holy Spirit which is inside of you. It's the fountain of life where you don't have to say, God, please send me another package. You are continually flowing and overflowing with life and everyone around you gets soaked with the life of God and infected, and contagious. Man. Do you think Lord Minster would be different? If the believers would just just come back to that place of life. Because you know what? You notice one of those things that comes out of the flesh are factions. Factions aren't of God. Factions are of the flesh. Envy, jealousy, they're not godly we begin to live out a life, wouldn't matter, wouldn't matter that they went to a different church, wouldn't matter that they hung out with that group of people, wouldn't matter that they don't really fit in with us, There's, there's life that comes out of it, and love would be that perfect bond of unity, and you know what, when the believers start living in love, Jesus said the world will see it, and they'll know something's different. Quit the act, quit the performance, and let sincere faith, sincere love flow out of you. Be okay with saying to God, I'm not right there, and I, but I want it. When I was a teenager, I wanted to be hungry for God. I saw people that were hungry for God. Here's what I prayed to God. I said, God, I'm not hungry as I want to be, but I'm hungry to be hungry. Do you know he answered that prayer as weird as it was? He gave me a hunger for His Word. He gave me a hunger for His life. And then I couldn't wait to get into the Word. I couldn't wait to read my Bible. I couldn't wait to pray. I couldn't wait to spend time with other believers. All I said was, I'm not hungry. I admitted it to God. I'm not where I want to be, but I want to be there. He made up the difference.